he did something, you know, at a, a, a lot different, but the same. We had finished uh, verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12 the previous two weeks, looking on this call to not be conformed the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind to be a living sacrifice, a reasonable service unto the Lord. And last week, instead of jumping into verse 3 and going down to verse 8, which Lord willing would do this morning, I focus in on verse 6, the first part of it. This says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And the word gifts there is the word charisma. It means a spiritual endowment, a qualification for the ministry via the Holy Spirit, giving a gift from God and wanting to empower that to do two, three things, share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us with a little bit of unction and power, to build up the body of Christ, to minister to one another, and to be a people who worship God effectively in spirit and in truth. Looking in that effort, I tried to paint a small picture to give a, a kind of a, a glimpse into charisma or spiritual gifts, both biblically, and we're going to build on this biblically this morning, as well as practically, and shared some examples how even the previous week in Vacation Bible School, you know, the Lord was working in my heart to prepare me to minister to the kids and seeing the fruit of that, as well as, again, charisma in, in our fellowship here and giving some examples of that, just using Vacation Bible School uh, as it was just day after day of ministry and giving God the glory in it because they are his gifts and it is his spirit and it is to his glory. We kind of laid uh, some groundwork for charisma or these gifts We'll build on this more this morning. We all have spiritual gifts. If you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have spiritual gifts, a spiritual gift at the minimum, and that is charisma. And in that sixth sense, we should all be charismatic. Some words get hijacked over time in the body of Christ. And we're this, and you're not that. And we're this, and we're not that. Look at gifts of the Spirit sign gifts and those other gifts is where we get the word charisma and god has given us all charisma we'll go over that again scripturally this morning we also saw to most effectively move in these gifts we need to be daily strengthened by the lord daily the holy spirit wants to strengthen us and to abound in that, we don't want to be found and can't be found of people grieving the Spirit of God, but keeping short accounts with the Lord to be a people, you know, grounded in Him. So this morning again, we'll see once again that we all have gifts, we all have charisma, and in that Paul is telling us, we'll see, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, that everything we do is by grace and mercy, as well as not to begin thinking, again, we're this elite group and only we have gifts. That's not the case at all. We need to be a humble people in this. Again, all these gifts make up the body of Christ. Here and in 1 Corinthians, that illustration is given of a body with all the different parts in your body. You know, in, in, there's a lot of parts there. All of those coming together collectively to work again in unity to be the hands of the lord to get the gospel out to build up one or lift those hands up to god and give him praise all under the mind of christ as revealed in the word of god we're the body he's the head we'll talk about that and again the call not to bury our gifts 
and absolutely the call not to isolate ourselves. We want to be a biblical people, not part of the new age normal that we see all over our culture. Again, we'll see the charge to use our gifts. We're going to point out some of the gifts listed elsewhere in Scripture. And then there's a list of gifts here, about seven or eight, I think it's the exact number, that that we're going to just go a little deeper in. So hopefully we'll get through all of this. It's verse three through eight. If we end up saying, hey, we're going to finish it next week, we'll do that. But let's read the text together here, verse three through eight. Hopefully that's laid a lot of groundwork of where we've been and where we're going. He says, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let it use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhorting, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Paul starts here by shining the light on himself, not to bring glory to himself, but to bring glory to God. He says, what I'm saying to you in this thought, in this epistle, in his ministry, what I say to you is through the grace of God given to me. He's not saying I say this because I'm smarter than everybody else. You know, I'm the most clever guy in the room. You know what, come and follow me. Paul always said, follow me as I follow Christ. He says, what I am saying, he's saying, I'm an apostle. He's saying the Holy Spirit is moving upon me to pen this letter because of God's grace, God's unmerited favor, God's grace given to us to save us. We are a sinful people. Jesus died for our sins on the cross, paid the penalty of them. He rose from the grave, and we are saved not through our good works or efforts, but by his grace, by the gift of his life, by grace alone, through faith alone, in him alone. And he says, I'm saying this by the grace of God that has saved me, as well as that grace that is the divine influence upon our life to now walk in the call of God, those works that were appointed for us even before time. It's by God's grace that I write this. Listen, in Romans 12, 1, he mentioned mercy. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So first he said, by the mercies of God, mercy is not getting what you deserve. It's God being compassionate to us. And now by the grace of God, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. Don't we have a good God? He doesn't give us what we do deserve, and he gives us what we don't deserve. Oh, boy, we are a blessed people. And so Paul is saying, look, and I come to you know I'm a sinner saved by grace. The ministry I have, it's because of a call of God on my life. The empowerment to walk in that ministry of effectively is through the empowering of the Spirit of God under the glory of God. Paul's being sober-minded in the ministry that God had called him to. And he's also setting the table for the calling upon us to be sober-minded as well. Notice what he says. Again, he talks about himself. And then he says, to everyone who is among you. 
This is all to, to everyone who is among us this morning in this place. Is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Then this is for everyone among us. No exceptions, no partiality, no, well, we'll see if it fits my feelings, experiences, and fleshly desires. If it doesn't, it's not for me. No, this is for everyone among us. This is for the body of Christ. There's one Bible for all of us. There's not a Jew Bible than a Gentile Bible or one for the marrieds and one for the singles or one for the rich and the poor, one for those that call themselves charismatic, ones that say, well, I'm not charismatic when really we all have charisma and we're called to walk in that, again, in the prescribed prescription found in the scriptures. So again, this is for all of us not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly. So again, we need to know that it's only through Christ, through his grace and mercy that we're saved, that we're called, that we can do anything effectively for the glory of the kingdom of God. Can we say amen to that this morning? He's also saying in this, in the context of where we're at, don't think you're the only one with faith. We'll get more into that in a second. Also, don't think you're the only one with charisma, that's the Greek word here. It's where we get charismatic spiritual gifts. Again, charisma and gifts, that's the same word. That's the Greek to the English. Don't think you're the only one with those gifts. Again, he's distributed gifts to all. Don't think that you're just the only group with those gifts. Don't think if you're just more focused on the sign gifts like tongues, miracles, again, words of knowledge found in 1 Corinthians 12, oftentimes with too much of an emphasis on tongues that can get out of order, don't think, well, look, at we're the only ones with gifts because we're so focused in on these gifts. And also, again, if it's just, you know, we don't even want to address the sign gifts, which is unbiblical, but we move in these other gifts found in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. We're more comfortable with those, but with a complete absence of any of those other gifts, again, a lot of times varying groups think they're above the other group and so forth, and we can do that as individuals. Let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought, because God has bestowed charisma on all of us what we want to do is step back and see biblically how to most effectively walk in charisma or gifts that have given to all of us. And again, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we'll come back to this in a second, but we looked at these verses last week, and basically it's a declaration, you are special, but you're not special. Does that make sense? You are special, but you're not special. We are special people. Absolutely. The word chosen means you're God's favorite. And so if you're in Christ, you are God's favorite. You are special. But you're not special in that I have gifts and no one else has them or I'm God's gift to the body of Christ. You are, but you're not. If you, you understand what I'm saying with that? Again, we read it. We'll read it again. We'll come back to it. Romans 12, 6, having then gifts or having then charisma differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them. Given to us. The us there is the body. God has given gifts to all in the body of Christ. 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift or charisma, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Again, we are responsible for these gifts. We are stewards of these gifts. These are gifts of God given to us not to bury, 
not for us to take in a corner by ourselves, but to walk in, to operate in, for the benefit for the body, to be a witness to the world, and to more effectively give glory to God in and through our lives. Notice 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Again, these are spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So these things come as God wills. God gives gifts to all of us. So don't be thinking, I speak in tongues and I'm charismatic, but that guy who doesn't but cleans the toilets isn't charismatic. Cleaning the toilets in the church is as an act of, just as much of an act of charisma as speaking in tongues and having interpretation where everyone is edified, two or three at the most, again, for order according to the prescribed scription of worship given in the word of God. Because again, a lot of times we just begin to get the mentality, you know, if it seems kind of mysterious and kind of stirs us up, it's charisma, but dude over here picking weeds and whatnot, well, that's not charisma right there. When they are both acts of charisma, they are both charismatic acts because these are gifts given by God where he's empowering someone to go do what God has called them to do. In this area of not thinking more highly than yourself, again, the first context is in faith. We'll come to that in a second, as well as spiritual gifts. But there's an application, absolutely a broader one, when it comes to all temptations to be conceited or pride. Thinking I'm a super Christian for other reasons. Again, thinking I should be the center of attention. Thinking I'm not replaceable. We are all replaceable. Listen, the body of Christ is kind of like a lizard. It loses a tail, another one will grow. You don't want to use your gifts? God will raise someone else to use those gifts. You know, he absolutely will. We absolutely don't want to be in the place where my opinion is yes and amen, but the word of God is yes and amen. We want to be humble. We want to be teachable for all of our days. He says, think soberly. Think soberly concerning who you are don't make faulty conclusions, but have a sound mind. To be sober, to have a sober mind is a sound mind. And I think the real balance in it is don't think too highly of yourself, but know who your God is and who you are in God. Because I'll tell you, a humble servant who has great confidence in God is a powerful, powerful thing in the hands of the living God. And that's where the balance is found. I am humble, but my confidence is in God and what he's called me to do, I will go do to the glory of God. The gates of hell won't, provide, won't, won't prevail against it. A confidence. And again, it's easy to be in that place where humility leads to a self-pity. Oh, well, God can't use me. He will and he can. Let him work through you. Or if you got the idea, here I come. You know, me, 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 check me out. It's all about me. Again, same effect. People don't need to see me. They need to see he. They need to see him. They need to see the Lord. Oh, Lord, give us a humble heart with exceedingly great confidence in you. Lord, that's what we need. We need to remember, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. My boast is in the cross. Anything I have was given to me by the Lord. I have the blessing of a simple function in the body of Christ, just like every other Christian in the body of Christ 
He has prepared these works beforehand for us to walk in them. So let's be grounded in the word, filled with the spirit, and found fellowshipping with the body that we could abound in what God has called each of us to do and have a sober mind. Again, think soberly. It means to be sane. It's the opposite of being crazy. We got enough crazy in the world. We want to be sober. He says, God has dealt each one of us a measure of faith. Look at, hear this this morning. Everyone on the face of the earth has a measure of faith. They absolutely do. Believers and unbelievers. Everyone who got up today and took a step, that was a step of faith. I'm putting faith in my legs that I can get from here over to there. So whether people know it or not, everyone is moving by faith when they just get up and walk. When you get up in that car and you start it up and you go and you start thinking about it, I'm going 70 miles per hour down this highway, that's a step of faith. You get in a plane, a metal box that flies you across the country, that is a step of faith. It's a step of faith. You're putting your trust in something outside of your self or even within your own legs and arms and whatnot to function. Everyone has a measure of faith. The question is, what will you do with that faith and who will you put that faith in? And sadly, we live in a world where so many foolishly put their faith in utter lies like evolution, atheism, humanism, hedonism versus faith in Jesus Christ who did what he said he was gonna do, who was buried and rose from the grave and is soon to return. And I'll tell you, what you put your faith in determines your eternity. It absolutely does. John three thirty six. he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Do you believe in the Son this morning? He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Well, what? I don't believe in him, but I'm doing a lot of good things. The wrath of God abides on you because you are in your sin. God's not bringing sin into glory. We get into glory through Jesus Christ who atoned for our sins that we would be covered by his blood, by his life, by his grace, and absolutely freely enter in through the work of the cross and our faith in him of asking him to truly be the Lord of our life through becoming followers of Christ through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, also know as a Christian Don't think you're the only member in the body of Christ with faith to act on God's commands and calling on each of us. We in Christ all have faith in Christ as Christ has given us a measure of faith to act on practically. Here's the thing. Whether you act on it or you don't, again, that's upon you. But we all have the opportunity to do so. He's given us gifts, he's given us faith to act, and he's even given us means to increase our faith. The man that said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Give me more faith, Lord. We read earlier in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And listen, I know every time you'll act on faith, it will build your faith. You know why? Because you'll see the faithfulness of God. And your trust in him will grow. Your confidence in him will grow. 
So I can't encourage you enough to be moving in faith according to the word of God, the call of God on your life. And don't think too highly of yourself. Help us in that. As well as, listen, make sure you're not just hitching on to someone else's calling and someone else's faith and kind of living vicariously through them like an Instagrammer or something. You know, well, you know, they're, they're, they're influencing me. You know, I just kind of follow and live through them. A lot of people do that this day. They live through other people. We want to make sure again, as it says there in Galatians 6, 3, each shall bear his own load. And then also know in Matthew 16, 27, it says, and he will reward each one according to his work. Yes, we want to work, you know, collectively. And in that collectively, there's rewards from heaven, but we want to make sure we're working individually in what God has called us to walk in. He's given us gifts. He's given us faith. He supplies, he has supplied what we need. We need to step out. Notice verse four and five. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Now we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This is stressed throughout the word. We are one body individual members again your finger is not a toe your toes not a finger your eyes not a nose your nose is not an eye this is real simple stuff but you got to put all those together to have a body these things functioning together the lord's making a real easy illustration for us different giftings different callings different ministries different functions and yet all together as the body of Christ. He goes into even more detail in 1 Corinthians 12. Notice verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact... The body is not one member, but many. And notice, this, this is, is kind of humorous, but a real clear illustration here to drive this home for us. If the foot should say, because I'm not in hand, I'm not part of a body, is it therefore not of the body? What's well, of the body, whether it likes it or not, you know? And if the car, if, if, if the ear, not the car, <laughs> can't see too good, need to eat more carrots, <laughs> And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, is it not the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And so he talks about if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Where would be the hearing? Where would be the smelling? Uh, But now God has set members, each one of them in the body, just as he has pleased. And if they're all one member, where would the body be? So again, we're we're all different. Now he goes into the body's need for one another. Again, the eye needs the hand, the hand needs the eye, and so forth. And then notice 27 through 31. I encourage you to read through this in more detail later. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Several of those are sign gifts, which we'll touch on here in a minute. But then notice the question, and this is important because some people think the answer to every one of these questions is yes, and it's like, do you not understand context? 
He's saying the eye is not a hand and the ear is not a nose and so forth. And then they go through like, I got that, 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 I got that. And the question is no. Whenever there's a rhetorical question in the Greek, the answer is always no. Are all apostles? Answer, no. Are all prophets? Answer, no. Are all teachers? Workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Here's a big one. Do all speak in tongues? No. There's groups that say, if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. What Bible do you read? This is basic right here. That's like saying if the eye can't get around and walk, he's going to hell. The eye sees, he does not walk. There are not toes growing out of your eyeball there. The question or the answer is no. Do all interpret? No. He says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and I'll show you a more excellent way. We'll see in a minute here. The best gift, one of the better gifts is prophecy, declaring God's word and power. You don't need a bullhorn and a sandwich board and a long, you know, robe and long beard and crazy hair to be that. <laughs> Hopefully it's just, I, I tell my kids, Jesus loves you and it's prophetic, burns right into their heart. He says, I'll show you a more excellent way and this is where you go into 1 Corinthians 13, love. And the call to move in all these things in love so let's again let's be clear in this look at i have the gift of tongues many people have the gift of tongues it's a very and i'm not trying to pick on tongues but it's just something that comes up a lot i exercise that gift i thank god for that gift i always want to exercise it in a biblical way we have prayer groups occasionally there's a tongue and an interpretation in those prayer groups it's a great setting for that gift as well as even more so a great setting for it is in your prayer closet. But how oftentimes is all the focus, and it says it's the least of the gifts because predominantly it just edifies yourself. And then people run around and they say, if we don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have gifts. Well, wait a minute. Look, you speak in tongues, but when was the last time you cleaned a toilet in the church? And I would say without that interpretation, the cleaning of that toilet is going to edify a whole lot more people than that tongue that just edifies you without an interpretation. I'm edified when I go in there and it's all clean. Thank you, Lord. Not picking on that gift, but trying to get us back to the word of God versus traditions of men and things that can get hijacked. And I think even so divisions. Look at I want all the gifts God wants to give me, and I want you to have all the gifts God wants for you, and I want us to see you operating and functioning them, again, according to God's prescribed manner of worship in God's word. So again, let's think soberly. Let's recognize people have different gifts. There's different ministries. As we shared last week, sometimes people have a major gift, a dash of that and a dash of that, and it just creates this unique ministry different than everybody's and it's amazing how god can take some basic gifts and kind of mix them up to kind of make a color you know an array of colors that's just you know at a million fold he's beautiful in doing that we'll see in a minute here look at if you have the gift of giving then give if you have the gift of helps then help if you have prophecy prophecy then go out and prophesy and I would encourage you, if you're like, I'm super charismatic, I have one gift, tongues, then you probably should be in every prayer meeting that we have here. Not, again, going with your own agenda, 
but being led by the Lord in that. And if there's a tongue, we'll wait for an interpretation. If there's not interpretation, then you'll speak quietly to yourself, not for three and four rows in front of you to hear you, but quietly to yourself. And if there's a tongue and interpretation, it says two or three the most. This is, this is real simple. You're like, why can't we just all go at once? Because God's a God in order. And he says, if someone comes in and you're all speaking in tongues, they're gonna think you're crazy. But if one prophesies, they're gonna say, God is amongst them. <laughs> so again, this isn't throwing a wet blanket on anything. It's hopefully here to, these things are here to liberate us to function in the call God has place on us and at the same time look at if you don't have that gift you're like these crazy tongue speakers and so forth i go out and i you know i get down and i'm merciful and do this stuff let's not do that we have different functions let's make it our aim to walk in them biblically with humility to the glory of god again he says we are one body we're not called to isolate ourselves we don't want to be like that foot that he talks about that says, I'm not the part of the body. You are part of the body. And in that, absolutely, we are called to come together as the body of Christ. It is a biblical mandate. And I'll run into people all the time. God says I don't have to go to church. Do you, do, do you have God's Bible? Where are you getting that from? We are called to come and fellowship in a church setting. It's not just, why well, I ran into that guy the other day. I was making a sale, and hey, I'm a Christian. So are you. I like your cross. Oh, there I am. Yes, those are wonderful things when they're, it's real kononia, a real move of the Lord. But the Bible gives direction for church, you know what, building and offices in the church and the gathering together of the church. We are called to function in that, and we want to be influenced by the word of God not Anthony Fauci in the New Age normal. Hebrews 10, 24, you knew I was going there. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And when you're like, I really don't have a good reason not to be in fellowship, so I'm gonna go over here because I'm loving pajama church. Woo! You are not considering others. Now again, if you're on your deathbed, if you are in sickness, look, at there are certain reasons, praise God, for live streams for that. There's some folks in other communities that have small gatherings. When we gather here, they're still coming together as the body, and these things are on the line during the week. And I know it's a supplement to many people beyond the church that they are involved in. But if it's a deal, if it's a deal where you absolutely can come out and you're like, well, I don't go to church, but I go to the store, I go to the Home Depot, I go to the game, I go to this, that, and the other, but not there. You better check yourself. God has called you to come and consider others. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of son. That, this is a prophetic verse for the day we are in. But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Anyone see the day approaching? Jesus is coming soon. We sung multiple songs about it today. You're like, oh, Steve, where are you getting that from? Jesus said he's coming soon. And on top of that, please go read all of the discourse. Jesus is coming soon. Those signs, the birth pains are all around us. 
look at you take part of the body and you cut it off in the corner it's not going to benefit the body and eventually it's going to wither up and die there's nothing like physically coming together i was thinking about this how lame would vacation bible school be if it was just online sit there for zoom honey you know that coming together that interacting Look, when I get together with others in the body, I get encouraged, I get exhorted, I get blessed. Occasionally, I get a rebuke for my good. We get to pray with one another, worship with one another, study with one another, share life with one another as we are called to do. We get the privilege of laying hands on each other, praying for each other. God is so good in that. Just, just in... in, in very recently in the gathering together in prayer and so forth i've seen salvations i've seen healings and i've seen demonic deliverances that i don't think would have happened via zoom if you have the means to come and gather together now god is very gracious and very good and very patient with this but we are called to gather together as the body of christ and again if you're at home right now why are you here right now? <laughs> Maybe there's a good reason, and God bless you in that. Look, at we've had seven or eight recent memorials in our church, and several of those people the last year were literally bedridden. And I rejoiced that they followed along. We talked on the phone and would occasionally stop by and see them. That's a wonderful thing for that. But when people say, I, go, I can't go gather at church, but then I see, keep seeing bro at Home Depot, like, what's going on, man? Why don't you have your bubble suit on over here? <laughs> see, God says gather together. We want to use wisdom, precaution. We've strived to do that as a church. You still got the back door open there with vent ventilation coming in, and there's plans for the sanctuary and things we're doing and so forth. Just We've learned some good things through all of this. But we got to gather together. God has given you a measure of faith, son. Act on it. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Again, having charisma. Spiritual endowment. It means religious qualification. Let us use it. Where do we see these gifts? Notice 1 Corinthians 12, 4. These are called sign gifts for the most part, which... They would come, it would be a sign that would give a platform to preach the gospel there in the New Testament. That's why they get that name. I don't know if they should have that name or not, but that's the name someone gave them. There are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit, diversity of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. And I think this is where the Lord takes this gift, that gift, put it together, and you get this unique activity, this unique ministry to the glory of God. But the manifestation is given to each one for the profit of all. One is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, another giftings of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one of the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I will say about the bulk of these gifts, these things generally operate through an upon experience. It's not I have the gift of healing, so I'm going down to twin and everyone's going to get healed. It's that we pray for healing and there's times when it's God's will to heal right then. 
And God will work through the hands of his people to his glory to heal somebody. And I encourage you in that. How often do we have not? Because we ask not. A word of wisdom. A word of knowledge. That's generally an upon experience. Can you imagine someone walking around and they knew everything about everybody and like, I just know. You're like, stay away from that guy, you know? These are things that God gives when the knowing that's unknown needs to be known or a certain word of wisdom needs to be dropped for a certain circumstance. Tongues, you can speak in tongues whenever you choose if you have that gift. But generally, these come from an upon experience. And absolutely, to really function in them, we need to be a people abounding in the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God. Being filled and strengthened upon it. Oh, some people are getting, oh, what are you talking about? Look, at the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. It's a biblical charge. He says, if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more will the, our Father in heaven and the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ephesians 4, uh, 11, we see some more gifts. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for their glory and everyone to ooh and all over them. No, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Again, these gifts aren't me-centered. They're he-centered, they're other-centered. And when you really walk in them, that's when you get the greatest blessing in them. When, when charisma comes about all about me and my experience and I want to float if I can, dude, that's not, that's not the purpose of these gifts. But when you say, I'm going to bring glory to God, I want to share the gospel, I want to build up the body of Christ, there, there is then a, a feeling that substance, not, you know, shallow. And then in Romans 12, uh, we read it already, we'll get to it, we see ministry, uh, prophecies, ministry, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, and mercy. So he died, he rose, he gave the Holy Spirit, he's given us charisma by his grace, let us use our gifts, Amen. Again, they all matter. And we want to operate while we have time. This is in John 9, 4. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while I say the night is coming when no one can work. And then it's 2 Timothy 4, 5. And, and I think this is, a, this is a, a word for a lot of these gifts. He says, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Some people have the gift of evangelism. They just go, they get opportunity. He got saved, she got saved, they got saved. But we're all to do the work of an evangelist. And I think it's true with a lot of these gifts. There are some people that just have the gift of helps. But if you're like, I don't got that gift, I never help, that's problematic. <laughs> Sorry, I don't got the gift, you know. <laughs> I have the gift of receiving, so come help me, you know. <laughs> Notice Romans 14, 12, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. And so again, we want to be a people acknowledging our gifts, recognizing other folks have gifts differing the mind. We want to be grounded in the word and the function in these things. We want to be a spirit-filled people, a charismatic people. I've said it many times, the ministry that I have, if it's effective at all, it's only because of gifts of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. That's the only thing that qualifies me. Period. I mean, look at me. That's the only thing that qualifies me. Like, are you a pastor or like a original gangster? You know, which one is it? <laughs> he begins to break some of these gifts down now. 
If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. I'm gonna spend a little more time on this gift to kind of lay the groundwork for what he's saying in this series of gifts that he points out. Now, prophecy is predominantly proclaiming the word of God with Holy Spirit power. Think about it. So much of God's word is prophetic. When I read John 3, 36 earlier, that's a prophetic verse. If you believe in him, you'll be saved. If you don't, you are condemned. That is prophetic. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is prophetic. Heaven and hell are prophetic. Jesus is coming soon. We sing about it. We talk about it. We read it there, the day of the Lord approaching. That is prophetic. Jesus is coming soon. So there's that sense of the prophetic, but it's also, again, that prophetic that prophecy it's like samuel where it says none of his words fell to the ground why because he was not just a judge but a prophet when he spoke hearts were penetrated we'll read more about this here in a second look at prophecy can also be the foretelling of future events but it's always 100 percent accurate because guess what god's not guessing about what's coming tomorrow or whether the baby in your womb's a boy or a girl and I've seen it. I'm a prophet. You know, there's a little boy in there. Nine months later, bro, there's a little girl. Well, I'm still a prophet. <laughs> Actually, you're a false prophet in that. Be careful in those things. Be careful when you say, the Lord told me. Did the Lord tell you? Was it really pressed on your heart? There's an easy way to present things. Hey, I have a thought. Sometimes we do know the Lord tells us. And yes, let's move with a boldness always going to be in line of scripture and so forth but there's so many people running around prophesying saying they're prophets and they're about 50 50 they're like a Dion warwick or no what's the what's the the lady is she the one the psychic or whatever one of those singers or whatever the psychic hotline like you know a gene dixon or something i know there's one group in kansas city they say if you're 60 percent right you're a prophet of god bro when do you read your bible what are you doing to that 40%? You're shipwrecking 40% of people's faith, but hey, we're at 60%. We should pray to prophesy. Predominantly speaking God's word and power. If he wants to give us a foretelling of future events, I would really fast and pray about that if the Lord presses something on your heart. But notice 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But if he prophesies, he speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to all men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you all prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than who speaks in tongues. For indeed, uh, unless he interprets that the church receives edification. So we, this should be part of your prayer, group, prayer life every day. Lord, help me to pursue love. And Lord, let me desire spiritual gifts, especially that I would prophesy. Parents, oh, pray that you would prophesy. That when you seek to your kids about God's word, it wouldn't hit the ground, but it would penetrate their little hearts. Because foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child that needs to be penetrated by God's prophetic word. Can we say amen to that this morning? Examples of this, Peter at Pentecost. No sermon preparation, jumped up, preached the gospel, 3,000 were added. 
I've shared this story before. Back in my wayward days, cruising on Main Street in Salinas, a lady with a sign up saying, repent, came up to my window. She said, are you a Christian? And I'm like, I'm not going to deny Christ for these fools in my car here. I was the biggest fool there. And I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. She said, what are you doing out here? She burned a prophecy so deep into my heart, I couldn't get it out of my mind for the next three years. <laughs> Everywhere I went, what are you doing out here? I'd see her face, get out of here, you know? <laughs> what are you doing out here? It can be a foretelling of future events as well. Agabus in the scripture prophesied of a famine that came on Jerusalem. Prophesied concerning Paul, the persecution he would face in Jerusalem. So he says, if we prophesy, if, if, if prophecy, let us prophesy. So what this is saying, look at a true prophet's gonna truly prophesy. If it's a foretelling of events, you're gonna know it's a prophet because those things unfold. I get leery nowadays when someone says, hey, I'm a prophet. Look, it just prophesy. If, if you got to get the prophecy, then just prophesy. Don't think more highly of yourself. I'm not like the toilet cleaner or the single tongue speaker over there. Joe Prophet's here, you know? And again in this, if, you're, if, 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 if it's prophecy, prophesy. But in this foretelling of events, again, if you're shown not to be a prophet, quit prophesying. Because that's not moving in charisma. There's nothing charismatic about a false prophet and they run amok all over the place. And I'm sick of hearing them. They go unchecked. They just prop one another up. And they're going to stand before God. That's not moving in charisma when they do not foretell future events 100% accurate. It's either the flesh or the demonic. Go look in a concordance of the word divination of the Old Testament and see how many times it is applied to those prophesying in the name of God that were just prophesying according to what they wanted to say because it was what the people wanted to hear. Ezekiel 12, 24, for no more shall there be any false visions or flattering divination within the house of Israel. It's always a flattering prophecy. Let's tell them what they want to hear versus what did God say? Because most of the prophets in the word of God, they're telling people to repent and whatnot. They're thrown down in cisterns and, you know, they're beaten left for dead. False prophets always appeal to the flesh. Jeremiah 14, 14. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies of my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Let's be careful not to ascribe to the Holy Spirit that which is at the minimum of flesh or at the worst of the demonic. You're not obligated to call a false prophet a prophet just because he's on Christian TV. So be freed from that this morning. But he says he's a Christian. Well, I don't know the man's salvation, but if what he's saying didn't come, about, come apart, he's a false prophet. 
Go read Deuteronomy 18, 21 through 22. He says, if it doesn't come, up, come to pass, it's a false prophet. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others, do I dare say it, do I dare say it? Dun, 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 let the others judge. Judge them. Is what is being said biblically sound? Does it honor Jesus or bring all the glory to the prophet? Is it factual? And then here's one. Did it happen? Real simple. Again, charisma is wonderful. It's powerful. But a much of charisma called charismatics has, it's something that's been hijacked. Just as those that say none of this is for day. Today, oh, it's all ceased. That's a hijacking of truth as well. Well, when we got the Bible, all those gifts cease. Well, why does the Bible tell you how to operate in those gifts then? Well, the perfect has come. The imperfect's been done away. Bro, he's talking about seeing God face to face there when you get the glory. We need all those gifts today, amen? We need all of them today. And we need all of them being functioning today according to God's word. So again, he says to do this with that measure of faith. He says, if prophecy, uh, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Look, at that starts by just prophesying. That's an act of faith. Doing it again in the prescribed biblical manner and believing God in the gifts he's given to us, taking that step of faith and whatever gift it is. He says, or a ministry, let us use it in ministering. The word ministry here means attendance as a servant. It's called helps in 1 Corinthians 12. Is serving in practical matters. This is where practical skills often meet plain old elbow grease with the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. And there is such a need for ministry and helps in the church. Think about it. The church needs cleaning. Grounds need to be tended to. Things need to be faded or painted. Stuff needs to be fixed. There's work days. There's installing stuff. There's maintenance. There's security. There's ushering. There's greeting. There's sound. There's projection. There's cameras. There's editing. There's cooking. There's helping with events like VBS. There's changing diapers. There's wiping noses. There's helping in kids' class. There's setup, teardown, cleanup, straightening up, washing toys, stickering gospel tracks, stuffing envelopes, making coffee, preparing communion, distributing food, food i barely started on the list those are all acts of charisma spiritual gifts and operation well i don't see the gifts around here bro the floor is clean someone came in and gifted you with a clean floor well that's not very spiritual well look at i think it says a lot when you come on a church campus and it's tidy and order because if jesus is coming over to your house tonight literally i think you're going to straighten up when you get home Go out on a limb here. This is being available to help others, single moms, elderly, children without fathers, and so forth. Well, it doesn't look very charismatic. Well, don't be fooled. Jesus says, any who desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Did not Jesus get down and wash feet? Charisma is other-centered. It is not self-centered. He who teaches in teaching. I get a little passionate about this, so. <laughs> teaching is the explaining of truth, making it clear and easy to understand. Teachers get it, and they help others to get it. Get what? The word of God. 
This is Nehemiah 8.8, 8, talking about the Levites. They gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading of the word. God takes it seriously. James 3.1, my brother, let not many become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. I'm going to receive a stricter judgment as a teacher of God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved, a worker who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And look at, oftentimes with teaching, even teaching children, it's that combination of gifts. Maybe someone has a real unction to help, they have that gift, and they got, again, that dash of teaching, because really, you think about it, we, we all teach others. That's why I want to go and function in that gift with a sound curriculum to bring this truth I understand to them to help them understand. Like, oh, no, I'll lend you my puppets, and it will make it, it'll, it'll be easier. So <laughs> he who exhorts an exhortation. Exhortation is the ability to stir or stimulate God's truth in the hearts of his people. Through words of rebuke at times, generally more so through words of encouragement. Get busy and do what the Bible says, an exhortation. Be comforted with, by what the Bible says. Again, a, a, an exhortation of comfort. We need more and more of this. We just read in Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but notice, exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So some really have this gift. We should all do the work of it. He who gives with liberality. We're all called to give. We're all called to give of our first fruits. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but I say this, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. There are some people, though, endowed with the gift of giving. And this is probably one of the easiest gifts to know if you have or not, because if you're endowed with the gift of giving, you have something to give. Whether it's time, whether it is finances, or other some sort of supply that is needed. He says to do this with liberality. This means you give with no strings attached. You give generously. You give with sincerity. You give without self-seeking. Well, I'm going to give it, but you got to name the wing of the church after me. You know? I'll tip in for the chairs, but I want a plaque on mine. <laughs> I got to sit up there, especially if anyone poor comes through the back. I got to sit up here in the front. I always get a little nervous when someone comes, and, and you know, sometimes it, it, it's, it's, it's good, and there's a reason for it. Like, hey, I want to tell you over here, I got, a, I got a gift I want to give to the church. I'm like, bro, the, the tithe box is right over there. I don't know who gives here, so you know what? I don't want to know. I think no pastor should know that. I, wanna, I don't want my flesh to get in the way of being prejudiced with anybody. And on top of that, the person that gave out of their necessity that threw 50 bucks in there, they didn't blow some trumpet. Why do you got to pull me aside to tell me you're dropping 10 G's in there or whatever? Dude, if you have the gift, then just use it. Do it liberally. I don't want to give here anymore. I want to be known. Well, listen, the Bible says don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, or is it the left, the right, the hand shouldn't know. Oh, I'm like, well, I have a lot, but I don't want to give, because sometimes the more people have, the more stingy they get. 
hear this. I have the gift of teaching. Are you ready for this? I haven't ran out of Bible studies yet, if you haven't noticed. You give, you have the gift of giving, you give, God will give you more. He'll supply the seed. Isn't that a glorious thing? And all these things. Well, I can only help so much. I gotta quit helping now. God's gonna supply the need. I remember the first 10 years of being a pastor. Like, I gotta, I'd finished the one sermon. Oh my goodness, I gotta do another one of these? Just felt overwhelming. Like, what if I don't have anything to say? God's built my faith. God will give me a word if I open it up to study, show myself approved and pray. Again, to his glory. He does it for all of us in these gifts. Almost done here. He who leads with diligence. Leading or this is also called administration is a supernatural ability to manage and lead God's people in practical matters to steer. Like how do I know I'm a leader? God gives you people to lead. <laughs> I always laugh at the guy like I'm pastor so-and-so. Oh, where's your church? Well, I don't have a church. I don't have any sheep or anything, but I'm a pastor. And maybe sometimes there's retired pastors and so forth. But when I, was, oh, I helped with a youth group three, you know, 35 years ago, and I'm a pastor. Bro, like, walk in the gifts God's given you. If he's called you to lead, there's gonna be people to lead. He says to do it with diligence. It means business-like. It means with earnest care, forwardness, and haste. Look at more is required of a leader. All the more you need to be led by God every day. There's no days off. Listen, in leading your home, men, there are no days off. Can we say amen to that? You don't take days off. All it takes is a day off for the enemy to come in and sow a whole lot of terrors. Also in leading, you don't get to quit. Oh, times get tough. I'm quitting. Or when something loses the shine, I'm bored with it now. If you're truly called to lead, you lead. And if you feel like I'm getting burnt out, then you say, time to go to the prayer closet and all the more get a Holy Ghost boost and fresh filling from upon high. Finally, here he shows mercy with cheerfulness. And those with this gift, they have a heart over and above to comfort the weak and downtrodden in times of need to come alongside them, to help them as well in action. And notice, this is huge. He says, do it with cheerfulness. And I think there's two reasons for this. I'm sure there's many others. Do it in love. I've seen a pattern over the years where there's, you know, you, you, you go into some soup kitchen and everyone's serving there, but everyone in there is grumpy and they have a big old chip on their shoulder. You ever experience that? And I'm like, oh, why is that the case? Is it, is it, I've seen that before. I'm not judging the heart, but look at the fruits like just, you know, you know, that kind of thing. I think number one, sometimes people that are downtrodden, they're not of the best spirits and there's not a lot of fruit there and they can begin to rub off on you. The other thing, there can be a great pride because let's face it, that's an area where a lot of times people want to, hey, I do, I do that. I, do, I go down there and I help. I'm down there with the down and outers. I think it's a thing to do with cheerfulness as well because it's, a, it's one of these ministries that it's easy to get upset when other people aren't doing it. There was a ministry for years on a Thursday and people kept saying, come down, come down with it. And I'm like, I, no. Oh, well, you know, it's like, oh, well, you wanna get spiritual, you'll come down with this. Bro, on Thursday I pray, I run a prayer meeting and I study for Sunday morning. 
I make no apologize, apologies for not going down. If God tells me to go down, I'm going to go down, but I ain't going to get manipulated down because you're acting like the great persecuted prophet because you're walking in your gift. Do it with a cheer, cheerfulness, a joy, and love, or go get in your prayer closet till your heart's right to go out and do it in the right way. And that's for all these gifts. That's for all of them. So, you know what, some of the stuff I'm getting pretty descriptive in, but sometimes we need that. Hopefully you guys are encouraging this, built up in it. Let's stand up right now and let's pray and let's worship the Lord here. Heavenly Father, we bless you and give you glory. We just thank you that you are so good. You are the giver of gifts. Lord, help us to function in them in accordance to the word of God at every turn and with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Can we say amen to that? And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you've heard the good news. The bad news, we are sinners. We are in a condemnation. The good news is Christ died for our sins. He rose from the grave. And whoever calls on his name will be washed, forgiven, saved, and have a real relationship with the Lord. Call on him if you don't know him. We thank you and praise you. Let's lift our voices to the Lord.